Take your Bible and open it, please, to two places in the Word of God, Romans chapter 8, 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Help me welcome all of our online guests watching from all over the world. Would you do that right now? Come on, let's tell them good morning. Come on, tell them good morning. It's so good to see everyone here this morning in the house, and we're grateful for those that are tuned in by live stream. I wonder if there are any first-time guests in the building with us today. This is your first Sunday being here. If it is, would you lift your hand so we could see, say good morning to you. First-time guests right there, some right there, some over there. God bless you, family. We love you. Come on, RTTN. Help me welcome everybody. We're grateful this morning that you came. Listen, if you'll fill out that first-time guest card on the bottom of the Connect card that you received when you walked in, our church leadership want to follow up and just let you know that we love you, we're here to serve you, see if there's anything that we can do for you and your family and let you know that we believe RTTN, Redemption to the Nations Church, is a great place to plant you and your family. How many know that you flourish when you get planted in the right environment? And this is a spirit-filled, multicultural, multi-generational, Jesus-preaching, gospel-preaching church. And we want you to know you're welcome and that we have something for everyone in your family here. So if you're praying about coming back, we want you to know we want you to come back. And you're welcome to be here. We've got, we've got some wonderful things going on. In fact, I, I'm excited about come, this coming weekend, May 5th. How many are excited about the Latin festival that's going on right behind us? Many of our Latino brothers and sisters from the city will be on our property here, and a number of you have signed up and registered to serve and to volunteer. There are going to be thousands, literally thousands, of uh, our Latino, Hispanic brothers and sisters that will be here with us uh, this coming weekend. And uh, we want you, if you haven't registered to help with that, you certainly can still. Uh, before you leave today, you can see them in the lobby on the way out. Also, family dedication is May 13th, and if you have a child, a baby to dedicate, we'll be doing that in the 9 a.m. service. You can go online, and you can register your child to be dedicated online. It's a wonderful weekend, and uh, you don't want to miss that. Making Room Ministries, our adoption and foster care ministry, is having a meeting on Thursday, May 3rd at 6.30 p.m. in the Redemption Building, 208 and there's going to be more information about how you can be a part of fostering and adopting. And then finally, skate night is May 7th. Uh, it's 10 bucks a child, and you can do that in the children's check-in area on your way out. Make sure you sign your kids up for skate night. It's always a lot of fun. Look over at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you ought to be glad you sat by me. Get a microphone. Hurry. Come here, baby. And the reason they ought to be glad that you sat by them is because I believe before you leave, you're gonna give them that $200 Deacon Torrance Farmer asked you to give them and you're gonna be blessed as you receive it. Pay your tithes on it, amen? Amen. Dev's got an announcement. And we're gonna pray that Pastor, um, that God opens a window for Pastor Kevin to get some shoes, right? All the Tennessee ball fans in the house are really excited about the shoes. But um, I just want to, on a spiritual note, I just wanted to remind everyone next Monday begins our monthly fasting and prayer for three days. So what we'll begin. Date? What date? May 7th. 
Thank you, Lord. And it will begin Sunday at midnight. Um, we are in the process of a phasing in period, whether you realize it or not. We are actually at this house going to eventually have a 24-hour prayer tower um, over the next year is our hope. Um, and so you have been participating in this with us. So we've committed three days a month to three times a day uh, for fasting and prayer. Um, and so this month, um, we are going to actually have live worship and prayer during all three of those times. Um, so it's kind of the next step in our phase. We believe in what we call harp and bowl, which is the declaration through worship and the declaration through prayer. So beginning Monday, when we have our prayer times in the morning, which is from 7 to 8, at the, the lunchtime prayer, which is 12 to 1, and then the evening time, which is 7 to 8, uh, there will be sons and daughters of this house and the worship team that will be leading us in those prophetic declarations and prayer. And then I want to ask um, a, a task of some of you that definitely feel called to pray. Um, we want to start moving toward a 72-hour uninterrupted time of prayer. Um, and if there are those of you that could commit to a one-hour shift of praying, whether it's at your house, at your office, in your car, or here, that you would say, you know what, I could take a one-hour shift. I only need 72 people. That's all I need. So I want you to email office at rttnchurch.com. That's office at rttnchurch.com. If you say, Pastor Devin, I'll take an hour shift at home or wherever I am. I want you to email that and give me your information, and I'll be reaching out to you. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't ever juggle my shoes again. Hallelujah. It'll be the last time you get invited to the pulpit. Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. I feel like she would come when she wanted to anyway. Amen. <laughs> Oh, how many love the pollen and the allergies in the air? It tried to take a bite out of me this morning, and um, I woke up. I just prayed for grace today, and I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. But how many know the Holy Ghost is in this? Amen. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8 and 1 Chronicles chapter 11. These two texts may not seem harmonious. Or compatible but I believe God's gonna help us to draw a, a place of compatibility between the two as we preach this last message in the series overcomers has anybody been blessed by this series on overcomers come on say amen if you have and and I just want you to know you are an overcomer come on tell your neighbor say neighbor you are standing by an overcomer And I'm thankful that even though I don't always look and feel like an overcomer, I am one. Because the overcomer in me is the Christ in me. And when you have Christ in you, you are an overcomer. And so we talked about that. We talked about that for the last several weeks, and I'm going to finish that series today. Now listen, starting next week, I'm going to begin a series called The Radar. And I'm going to talk about for the next few weeks about developing discernment within. How many know in this day and time we need discernment? And we need to have a radar in our spiritual life so that when things come into our life, we know what they are, where they came from, and if they are friend or foe. And many people don't have a radar. They don't have any discernment on the inside. But for the next few weeks, beginning next Sunday, 
We're going to talk about the spiritual radar. And I want you and I want your family to be a part of that because God's going to give us some wisdom and revelation by the Holy Ghost so that we don't walk in deception, but we walk in the light. How many believe that's the will of God? Say amen. amen. Romans chapter 8. I just need one verse out of Romans 8, verse 37. And then I'm going to take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. When you got it, say whoop. I like to keep religious people on their toes. Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can we read that together and just get a blessing off that right there by itself? Yet in all these things, we are more through 1 Chronicles 11, I'm going to do something. I'm going to start with verse 10, then I'm going to jump down to verse 22. 1 Chronicles 11:10. these were the chiefs of David's mighty warriors, the heads of the mighty men who David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Now look at verse 22. Benai, son of Jehoiada. Verse 22. Benai, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabziel, performed great exploits. He done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also went down into a pit and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Next verse. And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits tall. In the Egyptian's hand there was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff or a club, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. How many know that's more than a conqueror? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Reach over at the other neighbor next to you and say, neighbor, you are not just a conqueror. You were more than a conqueror. Now lift both hands up to heaven and ask God to send the anointing that transforms our hearts today. Spirit of the living God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we pray today for the anointing to come, oh God, that transforms our time together preaching into time of transformation. Lord, don't just let us hear the word. But let the word read our hearts and minds. Let the word speak to our spirit today. We pray, Holy Ghost, that you will get the glory. God, today I stand not in strength but in weakness. And I need you and they need you. Touch us and give us the anointing, Lord God. And break people through to a mentality of overcoming today. I ask it in the name of Jesus. 
for the glory of God. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I begin this message today from the book of Romans. Romans is obviously one of the most significant works in the entire Bible. The letter to the Romans from the Apostle Paul stands as one of the clearest and most systematic presentations of Christian doctrine in the entire Word of God. As you read the book of Romans from beginning to end, you will see the systematic progression of Paul's argument and message. Paul begins this treatise of grace by presenting the obvious fact about all of us, about everyone in the world, and that is that sin is universal to all of us. The first chapter of the book of Romans is a dark period. It's a dark chapter. It's a dark declaration because essentially in the first chapter of Romans, Paul is proving the sinfulness and rebellion of all humanity against God. It doesn't matter where you came from and what's going on in your life and what's happening uh, 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 in terms of your, your, your culture, your financial situation, how rich you are, how wealthy and connected you are, none of that matters. At the end of the day, Paul is clear that Jew and Gentile alike are all separated from God and need grace. Sin separates us from God. Sin disconnected us from God. The fall of humanity in the garden put distance and proximity between God and his creation. But Paul doesn't leave man sentenced and condemned because of their rebellion. Paul begins to move throughout the book of Romans showing how God injects grace into the story of humanity. And when it looked like humanity was in a mess that it would never get itself out of, God sent Jesus in the flesh to redeem us from our sin. And the equation changes when Christ comes on the scene and Christ moves us from guilt and shame to innocence and freedom. God in his grace offers us justification by faith in his son Jesus and when we are justified by God, we receive redemption, salvation, and forgiveness through Christ's blood. And we are now forgiven of all of our sins. Paul's message builds momentum in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. When he establishes the basis, listen, for the confidence of the believer... Should questions arise, should accusations arise, should accusers show up to try to condemn you in the court of heaven, the child of God can have confidence that there is no condemnation, there is no accusation, there is no accuser that has enough dirt on you to cause God to change his mind about what Jesus has already done in your life. Somebody take a minute right here to praise God that who can lay a charge against God's elect? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen. We have been freed from the curse of sin. In fact, Paul is very clear that we are kept by 
surrounded by and rescued by and protected by the love of God. In fact, the love of God is so powerful that Paul indicates the only way we cannot win is if something were able, would be able to separate us from the love of God. The only way you can't overcome is if something were powerful enough to separate you from the love of God. And so he begins to jump into all of the possibilities of the things that could separate you and I from the love of God. He says, can peril, can nakedness, can famine, can distress, can persecution, can, can adversaries, can adversity, can conflict, can any of this separate us from the love of God? Oh, I'm glad he named those things because in my life I can testify that I've had some peril. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've had some setback. I've had some adversity. I've had some enemies. I've had some battles. I've I've been through some wars. Can I find one witness? Oh, but in all these things, we are not just conquerors, but we are more than conquerors. Through Christ, these things don't just get survived. We don't just survive peril. We don't just survive adversity. We don't just survive seasons of being distressed. But through Christ who loves us, watch, we don't just conquer that stuff. We become more than conquerors. How? Because it's not just that we win the battle. It's that the battle and the assignment that came against us actually become a catapult into greater glory. Oh, y'all not hearing what I'm saying today. The reason I'm more than a conqueror is that everything Satan ever tried to do against me never destroyed me as it was intended to. It actually became a launching pad that moved us from glory to glory. That's why Paul would say, I am persuaded that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. Come on, pain tried to kill you, but pain became productive and God used the setback as a setup to take you into your destiny. And as I began to think about this, this thing about being more than a conqueror. I know the name of the series is Overcomer, but I told you on the first week that the word overcomer in the Greek is where we get the word Nike. I brought my Nikes today. Yeah. Nike 270s. I can jump higher. I can run faster, I ain't gonna run, but I can. Because I got my Nikes on today. The Greek word for overcomer is nikao, N-I-K-A-O, nikao. And I told you that when they used the word nikao in the New Testament to describe you and I, it was the idea, they actually robbed it from the Greek mythology world where the Greek goddess Nike, now I, 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 when I say that, don't send me no email and don't leave the church because I'm talking about Greek mythology. 
I didn't say we were Greek mythologists. I said that the writer of the New Testament, understanding the culture that he was in, painted a very clear picture for his readers by robbing from the world a concept that described and articulated victory. And he wanted us to know, when he wanted us to understand who we are, he said, what can I liken this thing of an overcomer to? Oh, oh, I'm going, I'm going to take this out of, out of a secular world, but I'm going to apply a spiritual principle here and I'm going to tell them that they're not just they're not just going to get run over on the battlefield but the Greek goddess Nike would float from battlefield to battlefield she was one of the only Greek goddess who retained her wings and she had the ability to strike quickly and to be precise and had great power and when he wanted to describe us that's the kind of person that we are we have the ability to move we have the ability to strike we have the ability to overcome and we never lose a battle. Oh, come on in here, somebody. I said we never lost a battle. I know there are some days it feels like you lost the day. You might have lost the day, but I got news for you. Weeping only endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. You're going to get up tomorrow, and the devil is still going to be under your feet because God is exalted. The devil is defeated, and Jesus is Lord. He said, you are more, watch, you are, but, but he doesn't, here in, here in Romans 8, 37, he doesn't just say you are that. He says you are more than that. I mean, I could shout all over this room about being a conqueror, but I'm not just a conqueror. Can somebody just get happy if you were a conqueror? Just to walk around with the world championship belt around your waist like Ric Flair. Whoa! It would be good just to be a conqueror. But Paul wrecked my world. He didn't just call me a conqueror. He said that we are... Inform your neighbor, I'm more. More, 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 more. I'm not just going to win... I'm actually going to come out better that I went through this battle. You missed it. I'm not just going to win the battle. I'm actually going to come out better that I went through the battle. Had I not had this enemy, I would have been parked at a place of mediocrity. But this battle calls me to exercise some muscles that I haven't exercised in a while. And had I just stayed where I was and the enemy left me alone, I'd have just been a nominal Christian. But persecution caused me to pray. Oh, who am I talking to? Pain caused me to worship. My problems caused me, caused me to press in. And now I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And when he gets to this place right here in the text, it's crazy. This word, this phrase, more than a conqueror, watch, don't miss it. It's not four words in the Greek. It's one word. It took Paul four words to articulate what the one word was in the original Greek. And the one word in the original Greek, listen, it is the only place in the entire Bible the word is used. Everyone say nikao. 
that means you're an overcomer, right? We've established that. But when he says you are more than an overcomer, Dad, he says you are, watch, hyper nikao. Everywhere else, I'm nikao. But in this one place in the entire Bible, I'm not just nikao, I'm hyper nikao. Anybody got any hyper kids? Then you ought to understand hyper nikao. Does anybody else have, oh God. I don't know if Ritalin was available when I was a baby, but had it been prescribed, it would have never worked in pill form. I would have had an IV of Ritalin walking around to calm me down. Come on, somebody. Because hyper is this idea of where are you getting all this energy? You ought to be tired. It's 11 o'clock at night and you have run me ragged and your kid just says, you're hyper. You got more energy than you know what to do with. That's the word Paul uses to describe who I am. He said, you're not just a Nikao, but there's more where that came from. You're a hyper Nikao. You're more than a conqueror. There's an overabundance of overcoming in your spiritual deal. There's an overabundance of spiritual victory in your DNA. You'll never be defeated. You will never lose. You will always overcome. And in every situation, you'll be more than a conqueror. <sighs> so I need to calm down because it's 9 a.m. And we're supposed to have a traditional service at 9 a.m. But I feel an untraditional anointing on top of my head, running down to the bottom of my feet. I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost telling me to tell you, you are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. And I went combing through the word to find the story of an overcomer. I wanted to find somebody who was not just the conqueror, but somebody who was more. Oh, I could have talked about David, how he whooped the giant. Uh -huh. I could have talked about Caleb and how he killed his own giant. I could have went through the, through the Old and New Testament and picked out stories like Paul who, was, who would not be devoured by the beast of Ephesus. There, there were so many times when it looked like Paul was going to be done in, but he kept on living and he kept on having victory because he was more than a conqueror. But I digress. I digress. Today I wanted to talk about a man who was more than a conqueror who doesn't get so much of our attention these days. It's tucked away in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, hidden behind the magnificence of King David and the grandeur of the discussion of David's mighty men is a little story about a relatively unknown man named Benaiah. It is this Benaiah who is the son of Jehoiada. I found it captivating that as I studied this text, Benaiah's name means built by God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't talk about me. Uh, come on, tell them you don't know who architected this. Come up here talking about my shoes. <laughs> you don't know. He put me together this morning. Hallelujah. 
Come on, tell somebody I'm built by God. I'm built by God. I'm built by God. My nose might be a little bigger than yours. My ears might be a little bit too big for you. Come on, I may not be as cute and tight and got it all together, but I'm built by God. Constructed by the creator, fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't put your mouth on me because you can't judge me. I'm built by God. Benai's name means I'm built by God. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. If you miss who he was the son of, I believe you will miss one of the greatest points about this text. Benai was the son of Jehoiada. I taught you several months ago about Jehoiada. He was the high priest. He was the priest of the people of God. Watch this. He was the son of a priest, which means he came through the lineage of the Levites. He was the son of a priest, but he did not become a priest. He became a soldier. Ah, he had the DNA of a priest, but he had the heart of a warrior. And the kind of people who are more than conquerors are those who have the DNA of a priest, but the heart of a warrior. I'm not getting no help right here. When you think about the priest of the Old Testament, you understand that the priest of the Old Testament elder were responsible for bringing sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And before they ever ministered to the people, the priests were first called to minister unto God. If you're ever going to be more than a conqueror, you got to quit worrying about all the people all the time. And your first responsibility is to bring a sacrifice of praise unto God. God, give me some people that have the heart of a worshiper and the heart of a priest and the courage of a soldier and the, and the courage of a warrior. So usually what we do is we divide people into two camps. Jehoiada was, uh, pardon me, Benai was special because he had two different uh, pieces in his construction that contributed to his more than a conqueror status. He was a priest. He had the DNA in him of a priest, a, a, a worshiper, uh, someone who would serve the Lord. And then there was this other part of him that was a warrior. We usually divide people into two camps. Uh, I don't worship, but I'll work. I think that Selah. I don't worship. I'll do anything the church needs me to do, but I don't worship. I'm not loud. And then you got people who all they do is want to worship, but don't serve. Oh, I'm not getting no help right here. I'm not getting no help right here. I sense the offense in the house. Where are the people who can offer up a praise on one hand and pull a sword out of the sheath on the other and tell the devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you got. God, give me some people who can work in the children's department and pray in the Holy Ghost. God, give me some people who know how to cook banana pudding and cast the devil out of people who are full of the devil. We need people who will offer up sacrifice and will have the heart of a soldier. is a bad man. And what strikes me about the text is the absence of the description of his physique. I would expect as I read through the catalog of this man's victories, 
that they would say something like he was a strapping, powerful, tall, strong, MMA, throat punch, Hulk Hogan. But none of that is in the text. Do you know why? Because I believe he looked normal. Because most people who are more than a conqueror don't have great strength in themselves. Because if they did, you would spend your time attributing the victory to their strength. Instead of giving God the glory for what he did. You better be careful how you judge folk. Because the people who think you think are weakest are the ones who have attracted the strength of God in the most miraculous ways. He'll take the foolish things of this world, will God, and he will confound the wise. The people who look the strongest and who seem the most qualified are often the ones that God walks right past as he goes to the back of the line and gets the person that nobody wants and says, that's who I'm looking for. Come on in here, David. I'm getting ready to wreck Israel through a little shepherd boy. I thank God for the Holy Ghost because there are mornings and days and weeks of my life when I didn't feel like getting out of the bed and if it were up to my strength I wouldn't have been able to do it oh but I need to take a praise break right here in the middle of this service and I need to thank God that in my weakness his strength was made perfect it was God who did it hallelujah oh slap your neighbor tell a neighbor it was God who did it it was God who healed me. It was God who delivered me. It was God who put my marriage back together. It was God who bailed me out of bankruptcy. It was God who helped my business. It was God. I don't know who you're giving glory to today, but I cannot take another moment of this service without giving glory to the one who woke me up this morning and started me on my way. It was God. Somebody open up your mouth right now and praise God. It was God. And I got to roll. B'nai, he, he's not the most strapping and he's not the most physically significant member of David's band of mighty men but he's built by God and because he's more than a conqueror he gets in a fight with three foes I don't want to take too much time with two of them but I really want to center in on one of them the first thing he does is he gets in a fight with two lion like men from Moab now if you understand anything about Moab in the Bible Moab is always a type and a picture of the flesh because Moab is the product of Lot Genesis 36 he runs from Sodom gets in a cave with his two daughters and he has an incestuous relationship with his two daughters and Ammon and Moab come out of that cave watch Moab came out of the loins of Israel but it was Israel's enemy that came from within. Go ahead. 
which is just like the flesh. Oh. See, when you start talking about the flesh, the flesh rises up. I felt that how dare you thing come on some of you right there. How dare you talk about my flesh? I want to tell you right now, I don't care how many he nas and ta-ta-tas you let out of your mouth. If you don't keep your heart near the cross and under the blood, everybody in here has an enemy within. Oh no, you can bind the devil, you can even rebuke the devil until your rebuker breaks down. But sometimes the stuff you need to deal with is your own flesh. Ah, my God, I'm going to preach this thing that somebody gets it in your spirit. Some of you need to take control over your own self. Your own flesh is trying to sabotage your future. You say, Pastor, what is this thing I'm fighting on the inside? Paul told us in Galatians 5, 17, that the spirit and the flesh are contrary to each other. And they lust against each other. They battle with one another so that you cannot do what you want to do. Your flesh doesn't care about your future. Your flesh doesn't care about your marriage. Your flesh doesn't care about your job. Your flesh cares about one thing, itself. And if you feed your flesh, your spirit will starve to death. And there ain't nothing more miserable than a Christian living carnally. Oh, my God, I'm getting ready to walk some pews. Hallelujah. There isn't anything more miserable than Christians living carnally. Amen. Say, Pastor, how can I live in the spirit? You ready? It's real simple. Turn up the sound of the spirit and walk according to the cadence of the spirit. Wait a minute, where are you talking about? Have you ever been invited to dance? Oh, God, here we go. And you, you know, for those of you who are rhythmically challenged, you kind of sit over there. You go to a wedding, and people start, you know, they start putting a little music on, and, and then they say, we're going to have a slow dance with daddy and daughter. We're going to have some fun. And you say, I can't hear it. And you're dancing offbeat. Because you can't hear it. Sometimes in the spirit, you can't walk with the spirit because the mess you're hearing isn't the message or the cadence of the spirit. Your flesh is talking to you more than the spirit is talking to you. And you're walking after the flesh beat rather than after the spirit beat. Somebody holler, turn up the spirit. I need God to turn up the spirit on the inside of me. I want to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost so that I don't follow my flesh. I want to follow my spirit. He killed two lion-like men from Moab. He defeated the flesh. And then he moves on to an Egyptian who was 10 feet tall. I love it when I offend people talking about dancing. People are sitting there, oh my God, he talked about dancing. Some of you need to cut your feet loose and dance before the Lord sometimes. When I was taught growing up that we should not dance unless God picked our feet up and moved them for us, you were taught wrong. 
The Bible doesn't say that the Holy Ghost possessed David and picked his feet up and started moving them. It said David danced before the Lord with all of his might. The reason some of us never get into the presence is because we're waiting on God to possess us so that we can worship God. What kind of worship is that if he has to make you do it? Worship is not a matter of him making me do anything. Worship is a matter of me saying, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to worship you. You don't have to do another thing for me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Egypt represents the world. A 10-foot tall giant. And Benaiah jumps in a pit. Watch, no, he jumps in a fight with a 10-foot tall Egyptian. Egypt always represents the world in the Old Testament. Whenever Israel got in trouble and was not depending on God, she often ran to Israel for strength and help. And there came a time when God said, I'm not going to let you depend on Egypt anymore. Not Israel, Egypt. Israel depended on Egypt at times for her victory instead of looking to Yahweh. God said, I'm not going to let you depend on Egypt. I don't need you to depend on the world. I need you to let me show you that I'm God. When he fights this, don't miss this. When he fights this giant from Egypt, it's symbolic of our war with the world. But I want you to pay careful strategy to how he overcomes Egypt. He has a club And the Egyptian is 10 foot tall with a spear. A spear that is the size of a weaver's beam which would weigh approximately 15 pounds. How many know that's a big spear? And Benaiah runs up to the Egyptian which represents the world. With a club in his hand, he picks a fight with a 10 foot giant who has a spear. I was born at night, but not last night. And it seems to me if you're going to pick a fight with something that big and that weaponized, you better have something hidden that can help you when you get into battle. But not Benaiah. He just runs after the, the giant. And here's what the Bible says. He plucked, that's a King James way of saying he tore that beam out of that giant's hand and killed the giant with his own beam. Now I'm going to teach right here. Because what God is looking for in the kingdom is some people who have a strategy. Help me. Who have a strategy, Watch. To stop complaining about how many weapons the world has and pluck the weapon out of the world's hand and use the weapon that Satan put in the hands of the world. How many have read the seven mountain prophecies? Anybody read that or heard of that, the seven mountain prophecies? It is essentially a book 
that articulates a, pro a prophecy and a prophetic application of the seven mountains of society and culture. I'm not here today to go into all of it, but, but there, are, there, are, there, there is the mountain of education, the mountain of, of, of media, the mountain of entertainment, the mountain of religion, the mountain, all these different mountains and how God is giving the church strategy to redeem those mountains. One of them, and I'm just going to pick one. I could pick any or all of the seven, but I thought about this while I was waiting here today, while I was praying about this this week. One of them is the mountain of entertainment. You say, I don't believe God is in entertainment. Well, I don't believe that God has to be, but since the world flocks to entertainment, God said, I'm going to take the beam and the, the spear of entertainment, watch, out of the world's hands. And if they're going to run to a movie show, and, and, and if they're going to run to, what was it called? A theater. She's up here making fun of me again, my God. If they're going to run to see a movie, I'm going to start putting kingdom-centered movies in the theater. We could sit in here on Sunday morning and complain about all the big bad world is doing or we could go take the spear out of the hand of the world and say if they're going to go watch a movie, why don't we go make a movie about God and his kingdom? If this young generation likes rap, We could sit in here and complain about it. I don't like that beat. I don't like all that low-end stuff. I don't like all that hooping and all them pants sagging and what in the world. You could complain about it. Or God could raise up young Zay who starts singing. Y'all ain't following me right here. You're not following what I'm saying. I'm saying God is not going to listen to a church complain about the world. He's going to give the church a strategy to run and take the spear out of the hand of the world and use the spear against the enemy. Education? Okay. We could stand around and complain about how my Judah came home from kindergarten talking about my friend October. Her daddy was telling her, and she told me at school today, daddy, about how they, they kill cats and crucify animals at their house so they can worship Satan. And I'm sitting here listening to my six-year-old daughter tell me this. And you can say, well, you know, that light in the darkness, she's six. I mean, if she's 16, that's one thing, but she's six. She didn't know what to do about it. I could sit down and complain about it, or we could start an own educational system. That has a kingdom perspective. You following me? The church, is, the church cannot just have a strategy for revival. She's got to have a strategy for discipleship. And one reason we lose a harvest is because we celebrated that they got saved. But when they got saved and left the altar, we never taught them how to walk in victory and use their redeemed mind to advance the... I'm getting ready to preach in here. I don't care if you help me preach or not. What I'm trying to tell you is Egypt is not in control. God is in control and he's looking for a church that will have a strategy to take the weapon out of the world's hand and use it against them. 
We cannot sit up in here and shout and fall out on the floor and talk about revival and glory and our city go to hell. And our kids live in illiteracy. Say them. Got to have a strategy. Got to have a strategy. And God is in the business of giving us a strategy to take the spear out of the world's hand and wear the devil out with his own spear. Last one, I'm through. He not only killed an Egyptian that was a giant and two men from Moab that looked like a lion. He dealt with the flesh and the world. But this man is more than a conqueror. Because he gets in a fight with a lion. And this is getting ready to be crazy. But he is the one that picked the fight. It does not say the lion bit him and drug him into a pit. It said he went down into a pit. and got, Why in the world would you want to go chase a lion? Because I'm going to tell you why. If he was any kind of father or man, he would have understood that the presence of a lion in his community was a threat to the success and the well-being of his family and his people. Where are the men of God at in this house? Where are the people built by God who don't just let lions roam around? Oh no, I got kids at home and the devil is not going to have my children. And if there's a devil in my zip code, where in the world is that devil? Because I got to deal with my enemy before my enemy deals with what's closest to me. It gets crazier. He picks a fight with a lion on a snowy day. It would be ignorant enough to pick a fight with a lion on a breezy, clear, 70 degree, crisp afternoon. But my man gets in a fight with a lion on a day where he can't feel his fingers. And he can't get his traction. And I'm told that when it starts snowing, they ask you to stay off the road because snow, when it comes down strongly, can reduce visibility. And have you ever gotten a fight with a lion when you couldn't feel and you couldn't get your traction and you couldn't see? When your vision was impaired, vision impaired, vision impaired. I don't have vision like I used to. I don't see life like I used to. I can't have a vision about my future like I used to. Have you ever been in that place and gotten in a fight with a lion on a snowy day? He climbed into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Why did he get in a pit with a lion on a snowy day? Because if I'm reading this story and I don't know what's going to happen next, I'm thinking this is not going to turn out so good. Benaiah, you got a little bit ambitious. You bit off more than you could chew. 
And when I started thinking about him fighting a lion, I was reminded of what Peter said over there in 1 Peter. He said, where Satan roams about seeking as a lion whom he may devour. The question is not, can he devour you? The question is, may he? And to answer that question, you have to decide if you will let him or not. When he walks up to you, he doesn't say, can I devour you? He says, may I? May I take your children? May I take your marriage? May I take your joy? May I take your peace? Not can I, because the only thing, the only thing that empowers Satan to take your life and what God gave you is your permission to grant him access. If you ever decide he can't have it, if you ever decide he may not, then you tell that joker, no, you may not. You may not have my children. You may not have my marriage. You may not have my joy. You may not have my peace. It's mine. And you came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm serving a God who came to give me life and to give me life more abundantly. Somebody give God praise in the church. I said somebody give God praise in the church. The Bible said, it didn't say he had a weapon. It didn't say he climbed in there with a weapon. All it said is this. He got in a pit with a lion and slew a lion on a snowy day. How in the world do you slay a lion in a pit on a snowy day? I tell you this, if you get into a pit with a lion on a snowy day and you climb up out of the pit with the victory, it just means you were not in the pit by yourself. Somebody was in the pit with you with that lion on a snowy day. Who was in the pit with me? I know who it was. It was the same one that got in a fiery furnace with the Hebrew boys and they looked in there and said, do they look like the dead yet? They said, no, they're not dead. Not only are they not dead, I put three in there, but there's four men loose. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. How am I going to get out of this pit? Somebody got in the pit with me, and he is more than a conqueror. I'm done with this point. Why would you jump into a pit with a lion? You ready? Because you can look at this one of two ways. Either you can look at it uh, from the perspective that the pit was his demise, or you could look at the pit and say, thank you, Lord, for digging that pit because it's going to make it easier for me to bury this enemy. came to tell you this morning that the pit you've been worried about and the pit you've been stressed out over and the pit that the devil had you afraid of the pit is really not a pit it's a tomb for your enemy it's a place to bury the lion you ought to praise God for the pit you ought to praise God for the problem you ought to praise God that you're surrounded by enemies God dug your enemy's grave when he put you in that pit Somebody holler yes!
That's why the Bible said I am persuaded. Neither death nor life, neither angel nor principality, nothing present, nothing to come, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The pit is upset up. God's getting ready to bless you and give you victory. You are more than a conqueror. Praise him all over this church. Praise God all over this church. Stand with me, I'm through. you to praise him. Praise him that although it looks like you're surrounded, it's really the enemy that is surrounded. God's getting ready to bring you out of this thing. God's getting ready to show you that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. There's victory in this house today. There's victory in this house today. Can you imagine? Being in this pit, this is how I fight my battle. <laughs> Just put me in the key it's in. I don't know what key I'm in, preacher. Thank you. He's surrounded in this pit. He looks around, and everywhere he sees, there's a wall. And it's him and this lion in this pit. And he He's surrounded, and there's no way out. And he just looks up and remembers, I'm built by God. Why in the world would you jump into a pit with a lion? Because you're built for it. There's a new breed of Christian. There's a new breed that's rising up on the earth it's one that understands I'm built by God and I don't have to retreat. I can advance. He's looking around at the pit, surrounded. The lion. says I hear you roaring but I got my own line every time the enemy roars I hear the roar of another line the line of the tribe of Judah ah! and he looks up surrounded by his enemies and he hears the roar of the lion, and I just believe he starts singing, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded. <laughs> Come on, sing it. It may look like I'm surrounded, because this is how I fight my battle. 
Don't be cute and declare it. This is how I like this. With my worship lifted. It may look like, come on. If you feel surrounded, come on and declare it. If you believe it, sing this morning. It may look like I'm surrounded. right now of that story I preached three or four months ago, maybe a year ago, I don't know. It's that story about Elijah who had a servant. They were both in Dothan and the king of Syria was mad that Elisha kept Israel out of trouble. So Syria sent down an army to find one prophet in Dothan. They surrounded the city came to take care of the man of God. One morning, the servant of the prophet walked out on the front porch and saw the entire city surrounded. He went in, woke the prophet up, and said, we're in trouble. The whole city is surrounded. And I can see Elisha wiping the sleep out of his eye. Halfway ticked off that he got woke up. He walks out on the porch with the servant, lays hands on the young man, says, God, open his eyes that he may see. Wait a minute, because his eyes were already open. He saw the army surrounding the city. But the prophet was not praying for his natural eyes to open. The prophet was praying for his spiritual eyes to come open. So that he could see, not in the natural, but in the spirit. And after the prophet prayed, the Bible says a beautiful thing. It says, and his eyes came open. 
and he saw the chariots of fire in the hills of the Lord. And I believe all of a sudden that boy started looking around. He thought at first he was surrounded by the enemy. But when his spiritual eyes come open, he started singing this song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Somebody needs this. It may look like I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded. Because this is how I fight. surrounded today by lack by oppression by frustration by confusion maybe the enemy of of condemnation is just surrounding your life and everywhere you look you wonder how much worse can it get I just came to offer you a perspective change today I don't know if your enemies are going to run away or not, but here's what I do know. God's getting ready to give you a revelation that you're not surrounded just by enemies. You've been surrounded by God. And God's got you surrounded. Touch three people and tell them, God's got you surrounded. In fact, not only does God have you surrounded, God has your enemies surrounded. And this morning we've come to tell the enemy it's time to come out with your hands up. You're in trouble. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Somebody lift up a shout of praise. Somebody lift up a shout of praise. One, two, three. This is how I fight my battles. Somebody lift this up your worship.
surrounded by him it may look like you're surrounded but you're surrounded by him it may look like you're surrounded but you're surrounded because this is how you fight your battle ah. stretch your hands toward this altar we're going to pray we're getting ready to go in just a moment. There's some people today that came for freedom. And they came for deliverance. And they came for victory. I want you to reach over and just lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now. And I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, thank you for making them more than a conqueror. And I bless them today. Come on, I bless them today. To walk in more than a conqueror. To live in a place of more than a conqueror. To have a mindset that they are more than a conqueror. And tell them in the name of Jesus. I break a mindset of defeat off of you today. 
And I declare that victory is rushing in right now. In the name of Jesus. Now somebody give him a mighty praise. Yes, give him a mighty praise. Come on, conquerors, give him a mighty praise. Yes! This is so 